This morning, the text is chosen from the book of Judges, Judges 2, and it is for these reasons that we read first the two passages from Scripture. We start our Scripture reading in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 23, verse 20 to 33, and then we will continue in the book of Judges and read chapter verse 1 to 5 in its context, chapter 1. But first, Exodus 23, verse 20 to 33. Behold, I sent an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs on you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will be surely a snare to you. Let's then turn to the book of Judges. And we'll read first chapter 1, and then we'll continue with our text, chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. Judges 1. After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? The Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I've given the land into his hand. 
And Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into the territory allotted to me, that you may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with you into the territory allotted to you. So Simeon went with with him. Then Judah went up, and the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hands, and they defeated 10,000 of them at Bezek. They found Adonai Bezek at Bezek and fought against him and defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Adonai Bezek fled, but they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and his big toes. And Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to pick up scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. And the men of Judah fought against Jerusalem and captured it and stuck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. And afterwards, the men of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who lived in the hill country, in the Negev, and in the lowland. And Judah went against the Canaanites who lived in Hebron. Now, the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba. And they defeated Sesham and Haim and Talmai. From there, they went against the inhabitants of Debir. The name Debir was formerly Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, You attacked Kiriath-Sefer and captured it. I will give him Exa, my daughter, for a wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, captured it. And he gave him Exa, a daughter, for his wife. When she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she dismounted from her donkey. And Caleb said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Give me a blessing. Since you have set me in the land of the Negev, give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. And the descendants of the Canaanite, Moses' father-in-law, went up with the people of Judah from the city of Palms into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the Negev near Ered. And they went and settled with the people. And Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and they defeated the Canaanites who inhabited Zepheth and devoted it to destruction. So the name of the city was called Horma. Judah also captured Gaza with its territory, and Ashkelon with its territory, and Akron with its territory. And the Lord was with Judah, and he took possession of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. And Hebron was given to Caleb, as Moses had said, and he drove out from there the three sons of Anak. But the people of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites have lived with the people of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. The house of Joseph also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. And the house of Joseph scouted out Bethel. Now the name of the city was formerly Luz. And the spies saw a man coming out of the city, and they said to him, Please show us the way into the city, and we will deal kindly with you. And he showed them the way into the city. And they struck the city with the edge of the sword, but they let the man and all his family go. 
And the man went to the land of the Hittites and built a city and called its name Luz. And it is the name, its name to its this day. Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean and its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Ibliam and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages, for the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in the land. When Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. And Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer, so the Canaanites lived in Gezer among them. Shebulon did not drive out the inhabitants of Kithron or the inhabitants of Neolol, so the Canaanites lived among them but became subject to forced labor. Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Echo or the inhabitants of Sidon or Ahab or Exib, or Helba, or Aphik, or Reop. So the Asherites lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, or the inhabitants of Beth Anath. So they lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and of Beth Anath became subject to forced labor for them. The Amorites pressed the people of Dan back into the hill country, for they did not allow them to come down to the plain. The Amorites persisted in dwelling in Mount Heres, in Adilon, and in Sealbim. But the hand of the house of Joseph rested heavily on them, and they became subject to forced labor. And the border of the Amorites ran from the essence of Akrabim from Shelah and upwards. Now follows the text. Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land which I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. What is this that you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall come, become thorns in your, your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted their voices and wept, and they called the name of that place Bochim, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. Till so far, the text. In response to the gospel, we will sing as our Amen song, Psalm 34, the verses 3 and 4.
Congregation of Our Lord Jesus Christ, I will quote some sensational headlines. Family Void leaves 69 brothers dead. Powerful government leader caught in love nest. Gang rape leads to victims' dismemberment. Girls at party kidnapped and forced to marry strangers. Woman judge says, travelers no longer safe on highways. Sensational headlines like these are usually found on the front page of our papers. But these headlines actually describe some of the events in the book of Judges. You can find it in Judges 9, 16, 19, and 21. All these events are in glaring contrast to the closing chapters of the book of Joshua. There the people of God were resting from war. There they enjoyed the riches God had given them in the promised land. But Judges pictures Israel in a different way. The people are suffering. They are suffering from invasion, slavery, poverty, civil war. And sadly enough, it is not because of the attacks from the outside of the church. Judges speaks of unbelief and hypocrisy and the result of bows within the church. Why this big difference between the book of Joshua and the book of Judges? What happened with the people of God? Well, a new generation took over. A generation that knew neither Joshua nor the God of Joshua. At least we read that the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works that the Lord had done for them. But either the older generation had failed to instruct their children and grandchildren in the way of the Lord, or if they had faithfully taught them, the new generation refused to submit themselves to God's law and to follow God's ways. And the result, the rest in the promised land, slowly but surely disappeared. The new generation did not want to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. They preferred the idolatry of the godless nations around them. And in this way, they plunged into spiritual, moral, and political disaster. And in our text, we hear the inside story why the rest disappeared and why the promised land became a veil of tears. I will summarize the message of our text in this way. At Bokim, the promised land became, becomes a veil of tears. And we'll see that the angel of the Lord points to the given rest the first aspect we will see, we will see that the angel of the Lord points to the broken rest. The second aspect we will see, 
And we will see that the angel of the Lord points to the eternal rest, the third and last aspect we will see. At Bochim, the promised land becomes a veil of tears, and the angel of the Lord points to the given, the broken, and the eternal rest. Brothers and sisters, we must listen carefully when we hear that the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim. For what is happening here? We know nothing about the exact appearance of the angel, but it is clear that it is much more than an ordinary manifestation of an angel, remarkable as that would be. The clue is found in the words the angel spoke. He does not say, God let you up from Egypt. He uses the first person throughout. I let you up from Egypt. I swore and I said, I will give, never break my covenant with you. In other words, the angel of the Lord is God himself appearing to his people in the form of a creature, an angel. And to be more specific, you may add the text in which the angel of the Lord is mentioned to the proof text of Lord's Day 21, question answer 54. What do you believe concerning the holy Catholic Christian Church? I believe that the Son of God gathers, defends, and preserves for himself a church chosen to everlasting life. He is gathering his people from the beginning of the world, we confess, in the same Lord's Day. And every time when you hear about the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, you hear about an appearance of the Son of God. And you see our Savior Christ before his birth in Bethlehem, before his incarnation, before his coming in the flesh, he takes the form of a creature, an angel, a human being alike. And this period of the history of the church, the Son of God is very active as well. He is continuously busy gathering, defending, preserving his people. He announces and proclaims the salvation of his people, and he executes this salvation as well. Take, for instance, Exodus 14, 19, when God's people were threatened by the pursuing Egyptians. And we hear, Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and bent behind them. The angel of the Lord became, came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And in this way, the Lord saved his people out of the hand of the Egyptians. The salvation of God's people is at stake. The gathering of his church. And for that reason, if necessary, the angel of the Lord destroys his enemies and push, punishes his people. 
as head of the church, he gathers and preserves his people. And this was the promise at Mount Sinai immediately after the exodus out of Egypt as well. There the Lord said to his people in what we read in the book of Exodus, Behold, I sent an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come, and I will make all your enemies turn their back on you. And I will send hornets before you which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. And in the same context, we hear about the divine wisdom and the heavenly and holy upbringing. I will not drive them out from you in one year, lest the land becomes desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. This is God's program to give his people the promised land. The rest he has spoken about. And in our text today, we hear about the angel of the Lord again. He came up from Gilgal to Bochim. And you will wonder, what does it mean that he came up from Gilgal? Well, in Gilgal, the people of God celebrated the feast of the rolling away of the reproach of Egypt. Joshua 4 and 5. In Gilgal, we hear about the renewal of the covenant. The generation which would die in the wilderness had died. And all the men were circumcised. The people of Israel celebrated the Passover feast at Gilgal. And there the angel of the Lord, you could say the commander of the army of the Lord, encouraged Joshua, the leader of Israel. Joshua should not fight in his own strength. It is the battle of the Lord. He has to settle an old debt with the inhabitants of Canaan. Israel owned the land according to the promise of God, but they did not possess the land. And therefore the Lord will come with his armies to conquer the promised land, and Israel will receive a place in this, his battle. And the Lord assured Joshua of victory as he began his campaign to conquer Canaan. And now the commander of the army of the Lord, the angel of the Lord appears again, and he examines the efforts and the progress of the battle. He came up from Gilgal, and he followed the track Israel made in conquering the land. And what is his first conclusion? I have shown my faithfulness. I did my part. 
In a short summary, we hear what he did. I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. The Lord kept his part of the covenant. And it is obvious from the first chapter of Judges. The book of Judges starts with a series of victories. Initially, the people of Israel wisely sought the guidance of the Lord. They asked the Lord which tribe was to engage the enemy first. And Judah had to go up. According to God's promise, Judah was the kingly tribe. And Judah had to show leadership here as well. Indeed, I, the Lord, have delivered the land into his hands. And Judah believed God's promise, obeyed God's counsel, and all the tribes still worked together. Judah even asked the people of the tribe of Simeon to go to battle with him. And since Leah had given birth to Judah and Simeon, these tribes were blood brothers. And Simeon actually had its inheritance within the tribe of Judah. And with God's help, the two tribes conquered the Canaanites and the Perizzites at Bezek. And even the heathen, godless Adonai Bezek praised the righteousness and faithfulness of God. The Lord gave Adonai Bezek his just desserts. Then they cut off his thumbs and big toes. Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off, used to pick up scraps under my table, he said. As I have done, so God has repaid me. And to make a long story short, what is important about this military history? Well, that the Lord was with Judah, and that is what gave them victory. If the angel of the Lord guards us, and if God be before us, who can be against us? Truly the Lord is faithful in all his words and works. The Lord had committed himself unconditionally to his people. I will never break my covenant with you. And it was a pledge made on the basis of God's eternal covenant with Abram. When he called Abram, he promised him, among other things, that his seed would possess a land that he would give them. And this promise became the foundation of God's dealings in history with his people. On the basis of that covenant, God reached into Egypt and delivered his people from slavery. Under Joshua, he brought them into the promised land. And under the guidance of the angel of the Lord, the Son of God, as commander-in-chief, their initial conquering and purging of the country started successfully. And he says, I will never break my covenant. He has not, and he will not. In fact, he cannot. He is a faithful God who cannot deny himself. 
And this conclusion of the angel of the Lord gives us great comfort. comfort. He assures us the Lord will keep his promises. He does not add on all kinds of hidden conditions and ifs and maybes. He does what he says. How do you know that your sins are forgiven? The Lord said so. How do you know that you have eternal life? The Lord said so. And how do you know that we are his children? The Lord said so. And he never ever goes back on his words. That is the ultimate rest we have. Later, the Apostle Paul will encourage Timothy in the turmoil of life. Remember that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we may say the angel of the Lord, our commander-in-chief, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, boundaries chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And this brings us to the second aspect we will see this morning. Did you notice what Paul said, really said to Timothy? He said it. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And that is obvious in our text as well. We did not only hear that the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal, but we hear then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim. And what does this mean? If you take a map, the city Bokin is nowhere to be found. But it is not difficult to understand this name Bokin is a characterization. Yes, the characterization of Bethel at this stage of history. And you know, the Lord often uses names to bring a message across. And Bokim means weeping. As said, Bethel is here called Bokim as a second name. And we know, for instance, that Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, was buried near Bethel under the Elan Bakut in the translation with a reference to Bokim, the Oak of Weeping. Genesis 35. And in our text it is clear that there is the possibility to sacrifice in Bokin. 
And we also know that at the end of the book of Judges, the people of Israel called a meeting together in Bethel to sacrifice the Lord. And then too is said, they lifted up their voices and wept bitterly. And in this way, we may read our text. Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bokin, and you may say, to the weeping city. The angel of the Lord came to a second conclusion after the examination of the progress of the contest. Your eyes start filling with tears. What the commander-in-chief had noticed is enough to make you cry. If you realize what has happened, you can only conclude this. The promised land has become a veil of tears. At Gilgal, the people of God could laugh because of the faithfulness of God. At Bokin, however, the people of Israel had to weep about their own unfaithfulness and disobedience. For what had been the actual promise of God in Exodus 23? Before, behold, I sent an angel before you to guard you on the way to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you are if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversary. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and they blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land." lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. The same words are quoted in our text. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars. And the angel of the Lord, the Son of God, said now, to his people. After what I have seen, it is enough to make you cry. You have not obeyed my voice. And the second conclusion of the angel of the Lord is correct as well. Because what did we read in chapter 1? Verse 19, Judah did not drive out the Canaanites in the valley because the Canaanites had iron chariots. And this seemed perhaps logical. Judah was outgunned. But, in fact, that was not the reason at all. God had promised that he would drive out the enemies. Judah did not obey the commandments of the Lord completely. They did not trust the Lord. Diminished power is always the result of diminished faith. 
And the rest of the chapter lists the partial weaknesses of the other tribes. The lesson of Judges 1 is very clear. The angel of the Lord, the Son of God, points to the broken rest. The people of Israel deliberately chose to obey God only partly. Rather than following the Lord wholeheartedly, they compromised. They went halfway. And that compromise means inevitable catastrophe. The angel of the Lord spelled out the consequences. Boke him. It is enough to make you cry. The rest is broken through the disobedience of God's people. It will not be possible to live in rest because of their disobedience. The Canaanites will always be their enemies. And they will break the rest of God's people. The promised land will be a veil of tears. And when the people realized what God was saying, they began to weep. Bokim. The second conclusion of the angel of the Lord is enough to make you cry. For the consequence of these words will be bad. There will be no peace, no joy. The nations in the land of Canaan will become thorns that will afflict Israel and traps that will ensnare them. Israel will look to the Canaanites for pleasure, but they only will experience pain. They will rejoice in their freedom only to see that freedom turn into their bondage. They wept. And they sacrificed there to the Lord in a shallow and temporary sorrow. But the rest of the chapter makes clear that they did not weep and sacrifice because of true repentance, but only because of the bad consequences of their sins. And now you will understand the words of the Lord in the letter to the Hebrews for us. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we, we must give accounts. And who of you here in the church will be saved then? Thus follow the advice the apostle gives in the same context. Hold fast the confession that you have a great high priest in heaven, the angel of the covenant, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In this veil of tears because of our sins, let us go boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find help in time of need. For we have in the angel of the Lord a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Through him we will find eternal rest. And this will be the third aspect we will see. Despite their sin and unbelief, God did not turn his back to his people. The angel did not appear to announce that in frustration he was breaking his covenant. The purpose of his coming from Gilgal to the city of Tears was the purpose of grace. To bring his children into eternal rest. 
And the angel of the Lord acts according to his word. If you serve the gods of the Canaanites, I will surely be a snare to you. And the angel of the Lord spells out the consequences of their disobedience. All right, you will not obey and drive out the Canaanites. That was your decision, and now you have to live with it. I'm not going to drive them out. I'm going to leave them. You are going to experience the consequences of your disobedience. Those people are going to drag you down. They are going to be a constant nuisance and snare to you. And if you will take a map and call all the territories where the Canaanites remained, then you will see that the coastal strip and two edges, one under Jerusalem and the other at the height of Mount Carmel, remained the possession of heathen tribes, truly thorns in the sides of Israel. But in this way, the angel of the Lord will preserve his church and show his grace. For the Lord said in Exodus 23, 20, For my angel will go before you and will bring you into the promised land and destroy the heathen nations. It is the same angel of the Lord, the Son of God, who will save Israel, his people. In his love and pity, he will redeem them. And in Malachi's time, we hear the promise that the angel of the Lord will appear again. The same angel of the Lord will prepare the way to God. When it is clear that his people can't save themselves because of their sins and, of disobe and disobedience. In the time of the judges, the people of God still had a long way to go. And it will be this history of accumulation of sins and sins and sins. It goes from bad to worse. And in the end, the Lord will send his people into exile. But then we hear from the prophet Malachi, Behold, I sent my messenger, my angel, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. The word of God that is quoted in Mark 1 verse 2. Behold, I send my messenger, that is my angel before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The angel of God, the son of God. He will give eternal rest. The people of God are still suffering in this world. The church is under attack. The headlines in our paper speak volumes. And it is good to remember that the apostle said that you may not follow the example of the Israelites and become sluggish through lukewarmness or partial obedience. You have to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise of eternal rest. And for that reason, says the Apostle James, count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know 
that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Blessed is the child of God that remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Be patient and establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. The eternal rest is at hand. Those who endure shall bless, are blessed. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. For the angel of the Lord, the Son of God, gathers, defends, and preserves a church chosen to everlasting life, the eternal rest. Amen.